0: We're going to continue, like we said, this series that we've titled The Real Jesus. We're in search of the real Jesus. Because if we know the real Jesus, then we can actually be able to follow the real Jesus and be able to show our world the real Jesus. Because there's a lot of uh, false images and portrayals and, and really in correct misunderstandings about who Jesus is because of what has been portrayed or what has been lived out or spoken of on social media about those who follow Jesus. And so we are studying Jesus out through the letter written by Luke, who was a doctor, and it's really a biography about Jesus' life and his ministry. And so if you have the app or you're just joining us online for the first time, we have an OC Church of Christ app. We also have a little handout on there that you can get a little background about. About the information when it comes to the what we call the book of Luke and so we're making observations of what it means to follow this real Jesus and so so far we've learned a number of things we've learned today that Jesus will wrestle you he'll put you in a headlock all right but we've also learned that the real Jesus is powerful that he's not religious but righteous that he's a world changer who has welcomed and welcomes interruptions The real Jesus challenges our worldviews. The real Jesus shows us how to love God and love our neighbor. And we saw last week, the real Jesus gives us a voice. And so today we're going to see how the real Jesus is full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Pray with me. Father in heaven, it has been encouraging from singing songs to hearing Twan share uh, the insight and perspective, to hearing Donna share how you have been uh, working in her life, to hear recently here in Savannah and how you uh, introduced yourself and now has transformed and, and continues to transform her life. And, God, we're amazed at Jesus. As we sing songs, as we think about the profound mystery of Jesus and who he is and all that he does in our lives, God, we are humbled and we are grateful And Father, I pray that today as we see Jesus' truth, we see Jesus' grace, grace, we we are in awe of you. God, that we are inspired by you. That we will make decisions, whether they be small or or really life-changing decisions, in order to align ourselves with your will. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, but before we actually go to Luke chapter 12, uh, we're going to step out of Luke for just a quick second and look at this verse in John chapter 1. And this is a verse here in which they're referring, it's talking about Jesus, and it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This scripture has been so profound to me throughout the years Because it says Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. He wasn't 50% grace and 50% truth. He wasn't balancing grace and balancing truth in his life. He was 100% truth and 100% grace. And that's incredible to think about. You know, it means that Jesus has compassion Well at the same time has as much conviction as possible. And we were on a Zoom call and Rusty talked about, you know, Jesus, he reminded us, Jesus is the lamb and the lion. He is the Lion of Judah, as it's mentioned in Scripture, but he's also the Lamb of God, meaning that he also has peace, but he also has great humility as he's the sacrifice for us. So we see his grace, but we see the victory. We see him being king as he's also, in this metaphor, the Lion of God as well. And so, again, Jesus, unlike you and I, is full of grace and full of truth as well. And so he has such great pity upon us, and he wants the world to be saved, but he's also going to speak some truth to us as well. And so let's go on over to Luke chapter 12. Let's look first at a little bit of some of this grace. This just stood out to me the other day. And so Jesus starts to talk about his return. You know, Jesus came, and he came to save the world, but he will return. And he says in this parable, he says, be dressed Verse 35, ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open a door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Check this out. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Did you catch that right there? Jesus right there is saying, okay, Gus, I'm going to come back. And here's what it's like. Here's what's going to happen when I come back is that I'm going to take my servants and I'm going to actually take on the role of servitude. And then guess what? I'm going to serve and wait on you. How incredible is that? The master coming and serving the slaves? You've never seen that before, have you? I mean, that's incredible to think, wow, what grace did you deserve for the king of kings to come and somehow serve you in his coming? No. This is what we call amazing grace, isn't it? But let's continue. We're going to jump all the way from chapters 12 to 14 here. We're going to jump over to chapter 13. Brothers and sisters, are you still with me here? Now we're going to get to some truth here. And so as you look at Jesus, no matter where you're at, no matter what gospel you read, no matter where, you're going to see a lot of grace, and you're going to see a whole lot of truth. And they're not competing with one another. They're actually coinciding with one another. You say, well, how can that be? Let's read Luke chapter 13, verse 1. He says, now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Sounds really gracious, doesn't it? No, that's some hardcore truth right there, isn't it? That's some hardcore truth. That's not, uh, what's he trying to say with this? Here's a clear call for repentance. He says you either repent or you perish. Repent means to make a decision to change, obviously in the context to make a decision to change for God. But in perish... The Greek word, and the same what it means in English, means to be destroyed or no longer exist. So we can either repent, change for God, or we're going to be destroyed and no longer exist. Welcome to Sunday service. So Jesus here has a clear call to repentance, and repentance is a hard but needed truth. It's a very difficult but absolutely necessary truth. You know, and if he doesn't speak this, then people will think then and you and I will think now that it's okay and therefore we won't repent and therefore what will happen? We'll perish. Now, would you want that to be the case? Hey, I didn't know. Why didn't you tell me? Because it was going to be too hard to tell you. Because it might ruffle your feathers a little bit. Because I'm just so full of grace that I don't want to give you the real truth. Would that have been the Lord that you would have appreciated, loved, respected, and wanted to worship? No, you see, but Jesus has grace and he has truth. And even in this warning, there's grace presence. Think about that for a second. I love you so much that I'm going to tell you something so that you won't suffer the consequences. Sounds like grace, doesn't it? Sounds like, hey, I'm giving you some favor, some unmerited favor and kindness of God, even though you don't necessarily deserve it, but I want to give it to you because I want you to have this relationship with me, and I want things to go well with you. So even in his hard truth, there's still this amazing grace right with it, and that's the motivation for the hard truth. I remember one time I was uh, uh, early on in our marriage uh, I was talking with my friend and one of my best friends and also one of my mentors at the time, John Markowski, and I don't remember all the specifics of what we were talking about and about I was sharing about our marriage and, and, and with him, and, and he started giving me some advice, and it was something along the lines of I, I wasn't either valuing Karina, wasn't showing my appreciation, wasn't taking her on dates, something along those lines where I, I, I wasn't doing something that I needed to do as a husband. And he said something along the lines of, Hey, Marcel, if you don't do this, If you don't grow in this, this will lead your wife to something else. And what'd you say? And it sunk in. You know, there's a whole lot of truth in that statement. I was like, yeah, she's a great Christian woman, but if I'm not doing my job as my husband to love her and lead her, then I'm going to lead her to something or possibly someone else. You guys get what I'm saying. And so that was a hard truth, but why did he do this? He said it because he didn't want to see that happen in my life. And so I can get mad and offended, man, I'm done with you. You're no longer my friend. Or I can say, thank you. And prayerfully, so many years later, Karina would say, I think he repented. You know what I'm saying? Or at least he repents every six months. But we see even here, Jesus talked about the judgment in church. In fact, let's continue. Church, are you still with me here? Yeah. Then Jesus went through the towns. We jumped down in villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? What an interesting question that is. He said to them, no, everybody's going to be saved. Why would you even ask such a foolish question? Don't you know I'm a God of love? Oh, that's not the verse that's on there. Okay, all right. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these are the forefathers in the faith, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south, and they will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last." Wow. That's some difficult truth right there, isn't it? Is everybody going to go to heaven, Jesus? No. No, many are going to try, but they won't enter. Is God me? No, Jesus, right here. He's not keeping it one hundred. He's keeping it one thousand. Jesus is speaking some truth that's so bold and so incredible and so radical. Jesus ruffled some feathers. Jesus said things that not everybody felt great about. yet he was full of grace, and he was full of truth. Here's the incredible thing here, is that the real Jesus, guess what, he actually offended people. I know that's crazy to think about, not the Jesus that I know who has a picture of him and lambs, Jesus actually offended people. Now, he didn't go around and say, hey, you bunch of jerks and idiots, you know what I'm saying, that's not what I'm talking about, but his truth offended people. There's a difference. Someone's like, yeah, see, Jesus offended people. I can't wait to offend that brother right now. woo That's not what he did. His truth offended people. You know, Jesus, I believe, if Jesus, the real Jesus, was in our American society today, there would be many, many people who would try to cancel Jesus. the Jesus that no yes he would get canceled or at least there would be attempts to cancel Jesus and he would be canceled by both the liberal and the conservative camps no he wouldn't yes he would he offended he was canceled in his time he offended people so much that guess what they got ticked off they became opponents wait Jesus had enemies yes Jesus the real Jesus had enemies Wait, the real Jesus actually got killed for what he was saying. That's some serious cancellation, isn't it? You see, the real Jesus, would, I believe, would be canceled in our conservative and liberal camp today. You know why? Because every idea and every lifestyle isn't okay with God. Ooh. Not all are going to go to heaven. Whoa. That's not what Jesus would say. That's what Jesus did say. But then he would also call out the religious people for their arrogance, their hypocrisy, their lack of grace and lack of love. CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News would all be upset. He'd be on the little ticket banner, get rid of Jesus. So no matter what side of the camp you may tend to lean toward, guess what? He would offend you. He would offend me not because he was being mean, but because of his truth. So now the question is, how am I going to respond to this truth? Let's continue, church, are you still with me? You might get mad. You want to cancel me now. That's okay. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Let's stop right there. The Pharisees... At this point in time in Jesus' ministry, they're pretty much at odds. The Pharisees are the religious leaders of the time. They're your your ministers, your deacons, your your, your scholars. And and so here they are pretty much opposing Jesus. Not all of them for what we understand in the scriptures, but it sounds like the majority of the Pharisees. And here Jesus goes to a prominent Pharisee. So it's probably likely that he's an opponent of Jesus, but even if he wasn't, After this conversation, he probably became one. But he's around at least a group of Pharisees who are opponents because why? They're carefully watching him. Not to study, like, hmm, how does he do this? Yeah, I just want to follow. No, because they're trying to critique him and somehow be able to discredit him. And he's over at his house. Did you catch that? He's at his house. Having dinner. Now, it could be possible that Jesus went there because he just wanted a free meal. He's like, man, all right, y'all go to your house. You know what I'm saying? Let's go ahead. But think about this do you really want to eat with people that you know don't like you? You have to be the, really the best meal ever, right, to go to that, that, that house party. Because even then you're like, man, that steak really wasn't worth it because I couldn't stand being around that person. And then they just annoyed me. Then we got into this argument. You're like, man, I ain't, I ain't trying those noodles again. You, you know what I'm saying? And so the likelihood that he's just doing this to get a free meal, we can probably scratch that, right? But receiving grace in this, I'm still trying to help you, Pharisees. I'm going to be in your home. We're going to engage. I'm going to relate. I'm going to converse with you, and I'm going to share some truth with the hope that you'll enter grace. So even in this interaction, even in this decision, we see the grace of God in an extraordinary way. Church, are you with me? There in front of him, a man was suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. We'll stop right there. We see grace for this suffering man, but we see truth for everyone involved. He goes and he's like, he heals this man and he asks this question like, okay, if any one of you, I believe he's like, come on, guys, let's be honest. Like, like, are we really, we're really, you guys are really upset about this. If you had your, your animal, if you had your, your, your child, if they fell, would you not help them on the Sabbath? Like, let's be real, fellas. Uh, to me, that's the context and, and the attitude that Jesus had. Like, come on, guys. And so, again, he's showing them. He's trying to help them see the truth of who God is and the grace that God wants to extend to all. And then he goes and he tells this parable. This is so funny. I mean, again, he's in this house and he goes, we won't have time to, to read it all, but he goes and then he tells right, a, a parable right about how, hey, you guys need to be humble. He sees everybody and they're like trying to find out where's the seat of honor. And he's like, oh, okay. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and I'm just going to tell this parable and show them hey, you need to be humble. In the man's house. If you come to my house, you start telling parables to me, trying to convict me. Guess what I'm going to do? you Get by my house. Disrespect me in front of baby girl, baby doll, and baby boy. You out your mind. Karina, don't ever invite them over. Lock the door. You know what I'm saying? And let's move because they might try to shoot me afterwards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry. Anyhow, I know. Let's see how my mind goes. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 12. So right after this, he says, Then Jesus said to his hosts, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. It makes sense. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You see Jesus' great grace and compassion and love on the outcasts of society. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And he goes on and he talks about, somebody asked a question like, hey, what's it going to be like in the, at the feast of the kingdom of God? And then Jesus starts to tell this parable and he says this, something interesting in verse 21 because he uses some of the same uh, uh, ideas. He says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You see, this was really Truly, incredibly radical for those in first-century Judaism. His call to invite to dinner the poor, the crippled, the lame, and blind, and then also call those sane to be in the kingdom of God was radical. It's a radical call today. We wouldn't naturally think those would be the ones who would enter the kingdom of God, but especially back then, because he, these were the ones who were seen to not have God's favor. The poor, they weren't blessed by God. How do you know? Because they're poor. It's the rich who have God's favor. That's how they viewed it. The crippled, the lame, and the blind, well, guess what? They were considered to be cursed by God. See, they are in this condition because either they sinned or maybe their parents sinned. Somebody sinned along the way, and therefore, God is cursed, and that's why they're in this predicaments, And what does Jesus do? He lifts these people up. This is who you should be valuing. This is who you should reach out to. And these are the types who will actually enter the kingdom of heaven. That's incredible. This is radical, but that's radical what? Grace of God. In the intertwined in between with this hardcore truth, but yet we see this great call and the need and the understanding of the grace of a loving God. And then we continue in verse 25, brothers and sisters, are you still with me here? Again, as we can see throughout all scriptures, throughout all of Jesus' life, you see grace and you see truth, and they're not competing. We see this in Luke 14, 25. We see some really, uh, most of us are very familiar in our, in our fellowship of churches with this passage here. Let's read it. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Okay? That was me learning from last week's bilingual service. That was Spanish. Okay, it means what? Did you catch that? There you go. I'm just saying, man, you just grow so much in the kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? I'm speaking languages. This is Acts chapter 2 here. Come on. Here we go. Wait a second. I got to hate my mama, my daddy, everybody, myself? If I don't, I can't be your disciple? Yep. And many people try to minimize this. Well, the word means love less. The word doesn't mean, the Greek word hate doesn't mean love less. It means hate, but the context helps us to see that this is uh, 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 um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not, uh, we call it exaggeration. Um, um, hyperbole to emphasize a point. saying, guys, in comparison, if you were to compare your love for me and your love for everything else, it's got to look like you hate everything else. He says, if that's not the case, guess what? You can't be a Christian what? I thought all I had to do was believe. That was a song we heard. Yes, that's part of it. But true belief is this type of relationship with Jesus. He goes on and says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. will not you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose the king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus has strong convictions about what it means to be a Christian. He says, here is the standard. Here is the cost. Here is the call. Here is the sacrifice. And we not have enough time to break it down. But overall, the way I like to see this is that Jesus is saying he's either got to be Lord of all or not at all. He can't be Lord of most. It's like being mostly pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. There's no, I'm kind of mostly pregnant this week. You know what I'm saying? That's not the case. And so he's either Lord of all, meaning master, ruler, supreme authority. Or he's not at all. And Jesus has to be number one even over yourself and family. And we follow him on his terms. And if not, he says, it's not like you won't be my disciple. It's that you cannot be my disciple. Because when it comes down to something being tough, instead of you following me with your cross, you're going to put your cross down and go the other direction. And so this is a truth that is very challenging, but it's a truth that's rooted in grace and love. I want you to make it to the end. So I'm not going to sugarcoat things so that you'll be deceived and then quit later on. I'm going to give you the fine print and I'm going to enlarge it and I'm going to put it out in the front as opposed at the end. I want you to experience his grace, but there's a spiritual battle, and you're going to have tough times. But here's what it's going to take to overcome if you abide in me. You see, Jesus is full of grace and truth, compassion and conviction. He's the lion and the lamb. And it's not either or, but and in both. I remember Dave you shared that, and I was like, wow, I wish I would have heard that my whole life. It was, just, it was a different context, but I was like, that is so true. It's not either or. He's either the lion or he is the lamb or he is compassionate or he is convic- has conviction. No, it's and and both. There's grace, there's truth, there's compassion, there's conviction, there's the lion, there's the lamb. But our Western society sees Christianity as one or the other, doesn't it? Whether in our religious circles or our non-religious circles, Christianity is all about some right and wrong rules and, and, and do's and don'ts, or it's all about this kind of shallow love, just accept everything. But you see, Jesus gives encouragement, inspiration. He gives hope in his message and also truth of what it means to follow him and the ramifications if we don't. You see, the real Jesus and real Christianity have conviction. And love and pity at the same time. I don't choose it this time, and then I have to choose something else the next time. I have them both at the same time. There's grace and there's truth. And so, what does that mean for you and me, brothers and sisters? Well, we got to follow Jesus' example. We got to be gracious and truthful, gracious to people who don't know the real Jesus. Why would be critical and, 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 and say demeaning things to people who never signed up to follow Jesus? That doesn't make any sense. We need to be gracious to those who have not decided yet to follow Jesus. And we need to seek to love people like Jesus does. Again, he was in the home of the Pharisee, extending grace, but yet he shared some truth. We need to be truthful to share the good news with people who don't know Jesus speaking truth to those in the church with reminders of how much Jesus loves and also the proper response to Jesus' love. Well, I don't know about you, but this can be hard because the tendency is to be either or or try to balance the two. That's my tendency. Is that yours? Or we can tend to just go with the side maybe we're naturally prone to or the, the side that excites us the most. Hey, I love the, that part, grace part about Jesus, so I'm just going to roll with that but then never speak truth. Well, I love that truth part, so I'm going to follow that, but yet never extend grace. You know, I know for me, uh, when, I, when I became familiar with the real Jesus, I was like, man, I never thought about this lying part of Jesus. I love that Jesus. Let's go. And then I saw, and people would share, like, Marcel, yeah, we appreciate your conviction, but we don't feel so much love that time. Man, I feel like a couple years ago, I swung the pendulum. I'm like, man, I don't feel like I share anything that's truthful anymore. And so there's this constant battle. But again, Jesus was full of truth and full of grace. So if we follow, well, first of all, if we know this, then we have a better chance at what? Following this, living it out, and showing the real Jesus to others. We'll have more victories, and we'll imitate him and become more like him in our character. The beauty of the scriptures and the beauty of the church is we help each other to be able to attain to this. Let's get real practical here as we close out. So here's our action step and prayer for the week. So here's what we're asking just for this week here. If you want to continue past, hallelujah. But here's the action step and the prayer for this week here. It's a communal prayer and a communal action step here. Number one, here's what I ask you to do. Memorize that verse, John 1, 14. Say, well, why memorize it? Because then it will be on your heart and your mind to be full of grace and truth. You'll remember Jesus has grace and truth. It says, you're, As you're in that situation with so-and-so this week, you'll have that grace and truth in mind. And you know what? Maybe even for fun, whoever can recite it, come on stage, we'll go ahead and have a little prize next week. So there you go. All right. Come on, Chad Hoffman. All right, let's see it there. All right. And number two here, prayer this week. Pray daily, just every day this week, next seven days, that each member of our church can reflect Jesus' grace and truth this week. That it won't just be you, but it'll be all of us. The real Jesus is the lamb and the lion. He's full of grace and full of truth. He's full of compassion and conviction. He's the complete human being. And the followers of Jesus, we must heed his truth, follow his truth, and share his truth while extending grace. We close out in John 1:14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Was it worth it? Because I couldn't stand being around that person. And then they just annoyed me. Then we got into this argument. You're like, man, I ain't ain't trying those noodles again. You, You know what I'm saying? And so the likelihood that he's just doing this to get a free meal, we can probably scratch that, right? But receiving grace in this, I'm still trying to help you, Pharisees. I'm going to be in your home. We're going to engage. I'm going to relate. I'm going to converse with you, and I'm going to share some truth with the hope that you'll enter grace. So even in this interaction, even in this decision, we see the grace of God in an extraordinary way. Church, are you with me? There in front of him, a man was suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. We'll stop right there. We see grace for this suffering man, but we see truth for everyone involved. He he goes and he's like, he he heals this man and, and he asks this question like, okay, if any one of you, I believe he's like, come on, guys, let's be honest. Like, 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 are we really, we're really, you guys are really upset about this. If you had your your animal, if you had your your, your child, if they fell, would you not help them on the Sabbath? Like, let's be real, fellas. Uh, To me, that's the context and, and the attitude that Jesus had. Like, come on, guys. And so again, he's showing them, he's trying to help them see the truth of who God is and the grace that God wants to extend to all. And then he goes and he tells this parable. This is so funny. I mean, again, he's in this house and he goes, we won't have time to, to read it all, but he goes and then he tells right, a, a parable right about how, hey, you guys need to be humble. He sees everybody and they're like trying to find out where's the seat of honor. And he's like, oh, okay. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and I'm just going to tell this parable and show them, hey, you need to be humble. In the man's house, if you come to my house, you start telling parables to me, trying to convict me. Guess what I'm going to do? Maybe get out of my house. Disrespect me in front of baby girl, baby doll, and baby boy. You out your mind. Karina, don't ever invite them over. Lock the door. You know what I'm saying? And let's move because they might try to shoot me afterwards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry. Anyhow, I know. Let's see how my mind goes. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 12. So right after this, he says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. Makes sense. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. See, Jesus' great grace and compassion and love on the outcasts of society. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And he goes on and he talks about, somebody asked a question like, hey, what's it going to be like in the, at the feast of the kingdom of God? And then Jesus starts to tell this parable and he says this, something interesting in verse 21 because he uses some of the same uh, uh, ideas. He says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. You see, this was really Truly, incredibly radical for those in first-century Judaism. His call to invite to dinner the poor, the crippled, the lame, and blind, and then also call those sane to be in the kingdom of God was radical. It's a radical call today. We wouldn't naturally think those would be the ones who would enter the kingdom of God, but especially back then, because he. These were the ones who were seen to not have God's favor. The poor, they weren't blessed by God. How do you know? Because they're poor. It's the rich who have God's favor. That's how they viewed it. The crippled, the lame, and the blind, well, guess what? They were considered to be cursed by God. See, they are in this condition because either they sinned or maybe their parents sinned. Somebody sinned along the way, and therefore God is cursed, and that's why they're in his predicaments. And what does Jesus do? He lifts these people up. This is who you should be valuing. This is who you should reach out to. And these are the types who will actually enter the kingdom of heaven. That's incredible. This is radical, but that's radical what? Grace of God. In the intertwined and intertwined in between with this hardcore truth, but yet we see this great call And the need and the understanding of the grace of a loving God. And then we continue in verse 25. Brothers and sisters, are you still with me here? Again, as we can see throughout all scriptures, throughout all of Jesus' life, you see grace and you see truth, and they're not competing. We see this in Luke 14, 25. We see some really, uh, most of us are very familiar in our, in our fellowship of churches with this passage here. Let's read it. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Okay? That was me learning from last week's bilingual service. That was Spanish. Okay, means what? Did you catch that? There you go. I'm just saying, man, you just grow so much in the kingdom of God. You know what I'm saying? I'm speaking languages. This is Acts chapter 2 here. Come on. Here we go. Wait a second. I got to hate my mama, my daddy, everybody, myself? If I don't, I can't be your disciple? Yep. And many people try to minimize this. Well, the word means love less. The word doesn't mean, the Greek word hate doesn't mean love less. It means hate, but the context helps us to see that this is uh, 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 um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not, uh, we call it exaggeration. Um, um, hyperbole to emphasize a point. saying, guys, in comparison, if you were to compare your love for me and your love for everything else, it's gotta look like you hate everything else. He says if that's not the case, guess what? You can't be a Christian. What? I thought all I had to do was believe. That was a song we heard. Yes, that's part of it. But true belief is this type of relationship with Jesus. He goes on and says, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Once not you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose the king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples." Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus has strong convictions about what it means to be a Christian. He says, here is the standard. Here is the cost. Here is the call. Here is the sacrifice. I wouldn't have enough time to break it down, but overall, the way I like to see this is that Jesus is saying he's either got to be Lord of all or not at all. He can't be Lord of most. It's like being mostly pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. There's no, I'm kind of mostly pregnant this week. You know what I'm saying? That's not the case. And so he's either Lord of all, meaning master, ruler, supreme authority. Or he's not at all. And Jesus has to be number one, even over yourself and family. And we follow him on his terms. And if not, he says, it's not like you won't be my disciple, it's that you cannot be my disciple. Because when it comes down to something being tough, instead of you following me with your cross, you're going to put your cross down and go the other direction. And so this is a truth that is very challenging. But it's a truth that's rooted in grace and love. I want you to make it to the end. So I'm not going to sugarcoat things so that you'll be deceived and then quit later on. I'm going to give you the fine print and I'm going to enlarge it and I'm going to put it out in the front as opposed at the end. I want you to experience his grace, but there's a spiritual battle, and you're going to have tough times. But here's what it's going to take to overcome if you abide in me. You see, Jesus is full of grace and truth, compassion and conviction. He's the lion and the lamb. And it's not either or, but and and both. I remember Dave you shared that, and I was like, wow, I wish I would have heard that my whole life. It was was a different context, but I was like, that is so true. It's not either or. He's either the lion or he is the lamb or he is compassionate or he has conviction. No, it's and and both. There's grace, there's truth, there's compassion, there's conviction, there's the lion, there's the lamb. But our Western society sees Christianity as one or the other, doesn't it? Whether in our religious circles or our non-religious circles, Christianity is all about some right or wrong, rules and and, and do's and don'ts, or it's all about this kind of shallow love, just accept everything. But you see, Jesus gives encouragement, inspiration. He gives hope in his message and also truth of what it means to follow him and the ramifications if we don't. You see, the real Jesus and real Christianity have conviction and love and pity at the same time. I don't choose it this time, and then I have to choose something else the next time. I have them both at the same time. There's grace and there's truth. And so what does that mean for you and me, brothers and sisters? Well, we got to follow Jesus' example. We got to be gracious and truthful, gracious to people who don't know the real Jesus, why would we be critical and, 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 and say demeaning things to people who never signed up to follow Jesus? That doesn't make any sense. We need to be gracious to those who have not decided yet to follow Jesus. And we need to seek to love people like Jesus does. Again, he was in the home of the Pharisee, extending grace, but yet he shared some truth. We need to be truthful to share the good news with people who don't know Jesus speaking truth to those in the church with reminders of how much Jesus loves and also the proper response to Jesus' love. I don't know about you, but this can be hard because the tendency is to be either or or try to balance the two. That's my tendency. Is that yours? Or we can tend to just go with the side maybe we're naturally prone to or the the side that excites us the most. Hey, I love that grace part about Jesus, so I'm just going to roll with that but then never speak truth. Well, I love that truth part, so I'm going to follow that, but yet never extend grace. You know, I know for me, uh, when, I, when I became familiar with the real Jesus, I was like, man, I never thought about this lying part of Jesus. I love that Jesus. Let's go. And then I saw, and people would share, it like, Marcel, yeah, we appreciate your conviction, but we don't feel so much love that time. Man, I feel like a couple years ago, I swung the pendulum. I'm like, man, I don't feel like I share anything that's truthful anymore. And so there's this constant battle. But again, Jesus was full of truth and full of grace. So if we follow, well, first of all, if we know this, then we have a better chance at what? Following this, living it out, and showing the real Jesus to others. We'll have more victories, and we'll imitate him and become more like him in our character the beauty of the scriptures and the beauty of the church is we help each other to be able to attain to this. Let's get real practical here as we close out. So here's our action step and prayer for the week. So here's what we're asking just for this week here. If you want to continue past, hallelujah. But here's the action step and the prayer for this week here. It's a communal prayer and a communal action step here. Number one, here's what I ask you to do. Memorize that verse, John 1, 14. Say, well, why memorize that? Because then it'll be on your heart and your mind. Be full of grace and truth. You'll remember Jesus has grace and truth. It says, you're, As you're in that situation with so-and-so this week, you'll have that grace and truth in mind. And you know what? Maybe even for fun, whoever can recite it, come on stage, we'll go ahead and have a little prize next week. So there you go. All right. Come on, Chad Hoffman. All right. Let's see it there. All right. And number two here, prayer this week. Pray daily, just every day this week, next seven days, that each member of our church can reflect Jesus' grace and truth this week. That it won't just be you, but it'll be all of us. The real Jesus is the lamb and the lion. He's full of grace and full of truth. He's full of compassion and conviction. He's the complete human being. And the followers of Jesus, we must heed his truth, follow his truth, and share his truth while extending grace. We close out in John 1:14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen.